Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I want to talk this morning about a, a concept that you're familiar with, cause and effect. I mean, even if you, you don't call it that, even if you like, call it cause and effect, you experience it. What is it? Cause and effect is a relationship between events or things where one is the result of the other. This, this is a combination of action and reaction. Something happens that leads to an effect, right? Like, for example, silly, I never brush my teeth. Oh, I have five cavities. Or I smoke cigarettes daily for 20 years. I have lung cancer. Or I didn't study for a test. I received a bad grade. I, I hear these kind of things all the time, right? I did this. The result was this. Now, the problem, and, and the problem when it comes to the idea of Jesus, is, is cause and effect is kind of how the world works. And that kind of thinking, that idea gets transferred on to Jesus. It goes something like this. Well, I didn't get a promotion and a raise. I guess Jesus isn't happy with me. Or my friend is sick. What did he do wrong? How did he mess up? I mean, if something bad is happening, God is mad at me. If something good is happening, I guess God loves me. Is that how it works? I mean, John, a follower of Jesus, recorded this eyewitness account. It's fascinating, and it talks to cause and effect. It's in John chapter 9. And John says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind, and he had been blind since he was born. Okay, so John's setting the scene, the context. Here's an unnamed man. We don't know his name. He's blind. He's been blind from birth. And we know from the account that now he is a, he's a grown adult. He's a grown Man, And so we're talking about a, a man who has been blind for years, and really in this situation, decades. Look, look what happens. Verse 2, Jesus' disciple asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man born blind because he sinned, or, or was it his parents? You see the cause and effect? Like he's blind, what caused it? Now, let's talk about this fun word uh, as we get into this. You see it right here, the word sin. That sin is, is a really loaded word. And, and what comes to your mind when we mention the word sin is based on your background. Like your background brings into your definition of sin. Now, in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, sin is really defined as simply as this. Anything that hurts you, anything that hurts those around you, if it hurts your wife or your husband or your kids, or your co-workers, or your neighbors, then, from a New Testament perspective, it will be considered what is called sin. Sin destroys or breaks relationship. Maybe an easy way to think about it is this way. 
If it's not good for you, if it's not good for your spouse or your kids or your coworkers or your friends, then it's sin. And sin destroys, sin breaks, sin kills. So cause and effect. Look, see the question. What are they asking? Look closely. Verse 2, it says, who sinned? Like, who sinned? See, the, the point of view, where they're coming from is, it's assumed that sin and suffering are connected. Right? Sin and suffering. They, they, they were considered to have a cause and a right. Somebody sins, and then there's suffering or there's pain. In this situation, there's blindness. Now, it is true that sometimes suffering is connected to behavior, right? Your behavior, my behavior, my choices, your choices. There are consequences. We make decisions and choices every day, and there are consequences for those choices. It's true. And when that's the case, it's usually pretty obvious. But here, in John 9, in this encounter with this blind man, Jesus is actually going to create a a new category. Look look closely, verse 3. Jesus says this. It isn't because this man sinned. It isn't because his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. (laughs) What? Maybe I missed this. There's 41 verses in John chapter 9, and we could spend weeks impacting the entire chapter, but I'm stuck in verse 3. Look what Jesus says. He says, it's not his sin. It's not his parents' sin. He says this. He says, he was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. Okay, now, am I understanding this? He was born blind. How many years ago? He's an adult. He was, he's been blind for years, his entire childhood, his teenage years, his young adult years. He's been blind for decades. Why? For this moment? What? I mean, Jesus is, is creating a, a new category. Jesus says that, that pain can have a purpose. I mean, perhaps it always has a purpose. Jesus' pain surely had a purpose. So did this blind man's pain, or maybe your pain, your suffering, is it for something bigger? For something beyond? I mean, when life doesn't go according to plan, when when we experience pain and suffering, we naturally look for someone or something to blame. That tendency goes all the way back to the very beginning in the Garden of Evil when Eve said, the devil made me do it. But no one wins at the blame game. I mean, what about you? Your pain, your suffering, your sickness. I mean, yes, you you could be in a tough spot because you have made bad decisions and bad choices and there are broken relationships or maybe you're in debt. But could there be a different category? Could there also be something bigger, a bigger purpose? I mean, you got laid off from your job. Your business is crashing. You're, you're still sick. You're still in pain. Your husband isn't changing. You're single and no one's on the horizon. Your career is stuck. You feel stuck. This is not how it's supposed to be. So who sinned? Who messed up? Who's wrong? You? Your parents? I mean, maybe that could be. It could be cause and effect. Or could it be a a new category? 
Jesus says, he was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. I'm reminded of, of the Apostle Paul. I mean, even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard of the Apostle Paul. He's a, he's a famous person in history. Now, a little context. Uh, he was born Saul, and then he, he, he was on a road to, called the Damascus Road. He had this incredible encounter with Jesus. And again, this, this for timeline, this is only about three or four years after the resurrection. Then Paul, after he has this encounter with, with Jesus, he goes on to 20 years of ministry. But here's what's interesting. After he became a follower of Jesus, something devastating happened to Paul. He was afflicted with a physical ailment. And this is a big deal, right? This was an impediment. It's, this just kept hindering from, from living his life, from doing what God called him to do. So here's Paul. He becomes a follower of Jesus. Life doesn't get easier. It gets harder. And, and what does he do? He, he does what I would do. He does what you would do. He asked God. He prayed. He cried out to God. He pleaded for God to remove it, remove the impediment, remove the ailment. And God says, nope, no. And God says, I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care how long you pray. I don't care how obedient you are. I don't care how long you fast. I don't care what you promise. I don't even care how you bargain. The answer is no. And Paul begged God to change it, to take it away. In fact, look how Paul actually penned this, how he wrote this. This is a new category. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was giving, Paul calls it a thorn in my flesh. The, the thorn is the idea of a constant irritating problem. Look, this is strong language. We're saying, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, this is some, liter, some figurative kind of language like the vacation from hell or a trip from hell. But, but he says that whatever this thorn in the flesh was, it's so awful that it torments him. Torment, the idea of every single day, constant torment. Whenever he stands up, whenever he lays down, when he's walking, when he's sleeping, there's this constant reminder of being tormented. And we don't know exactly what the physical ailment was. There's many ideas. Some consider it was like an epilepsy, like recurring epilepsy, and he never knew when he was going to have a seizure migraines, those of you who have suffered with migraines, you understand this, right? You get, you get this pain, right? Uh, others think it, it, it was some kind of eye problem that, that Paul had really bad eyesight, and, and it was something to do with his eyes, and there were no glasses and contacts in the first century, and so he just struggled seeing. But here's what we know. It was some kind of physical ailment, and it, it was a constant. It, it tormented him everywhere he went. Every time, he, every place he tried to do good and to do ministry, it tormented him. And, and if you're sick right now or if you're suffering right now, you get this, right? If you, if you have arthritis or, or if you have migraines or, or if you suffer with depression or sleep issues or, or some kind of addiction, right? You understand the tormenting. Look what Paul says. He says, three times I pleaded with God to take it away from me. Again, this isn't like a casual, like, hey, God, could you help me out over here? Like, could you take it? No, no, no. Like, he, well, he's talking about seasons of intense, seasons of intense prayer and pleading and pouring out your heart. Like, 
God, heal me. Please, God, take this away. I beg of you in desperation on my knees. <laughs> Look how Paul says. But, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul was pleading, heal me, change my circumstances, fix my problems, relieve my pain. Please, God, take this away. God says, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. God says, my grace is enough. It, it's all you need. I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not, I'm not going to give you what you're asking for, but my grace, my grace. Isn't that an interesting word, grace? This word grace is actually used 155 times in the New Testament part of the Bible. And there's different contexts, right? There's grace for salvation and grace for daily life. Like, there's grace for that, that first time of encountering Jesus. Like, I don't deserve it. I've messed up, but God loves me. He pursues me. And through Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, he offers me an opportunity to be in a real, authentic relationship with him. And so there's this grace for salvation. But there's also this sense of daily grace, the ability to, to put one foot in front of the other, the ability to endure, the, the ability to keep going despite not knowing what's going to happen. Where do you need this kind of grace today? Where do you need to, God to show up in your life today? Daily grace. God leaning toward us, reaching toward us. I, I envision when my youngest son, when he gets hurt, and we sit on the sofa, and, and I embrace him on the sofa. It's like, I'm, I'm offering you grace. And Paul, God says to Paul, whom he loved, I'm, I'm not going to remove this, this this tormenting, this thorn in the flesh, this physical problem. But I tell you what I'm going to do, Paul. I'm going to give you the strength to keep going forward. I'm going to give you the strength to take your next step. And look what he says. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in Weakness. And this word perfect here is the idea of maturity. It's, it's fully on display. Look closely. Do you, do you see what he's saying? I mean, this is deep. <laughs> this is crazy. There's a lot of maturity here. None of us would sign up for this, right? None of us would sign up for what Paul's doing. We, I would rather be the person on the stage receiving the award, like, Greg, because of your talent, you have accomplished so much, right? We want to be the executive of the year or the salesman of the year or the employee of the year. We want, to, we want to leverage our talents and our gifts and our strengths and our opportunities. Like, wow, look, I'm using all of these God-given gifts. But not my weaknesses. No, not my pain. Now, here's the good news. We don't get to choose. <laughs> because none of us would choose what Paul is talking about. None of us would choose this. God says, I'm not going to remove the weakness, but I'm going to give you the power to keep going on despite your weakness, and I'm giving you enduring grace, the, the power to endure. I mean, this is upside down. Everything in our culture is, is, is obsessed with the flash and the show and how many clicks and how many likes and how many views, but... But endurance, consistency, 
I mean, this is how you become a good husband and a good parent and a good boss and a good friend, right? Is you show up day in, day out, week in, week out, no matter how you feel or what's going on. Consistency, integrity, dependability. God says, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. Paul says this, I think God really shows off best, not in my strengths, but in my weakness, in my pain, in my suffering. And Paul says, I think God, I think God really, really shows off. He really gets to grow, not in my strengths, but in my weakness, in my pain, in my suffering. Verse 10. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is a new category. This is a higher, grander, bigger purpose. So who sinned? I mean, who messed up? Was it this guy? Was it his parents? Was it the Apostle Paul? Was it his parents? Who was it? Verse 3, John 9, 3. Jesus, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Are you looking in the wrong place? Are you asking the wrong question? I mean, could this be a new category, a, a different category? Jesus said he was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. This guy was blind for how many years? His entire life? Why? See, at some point we must recognize that the circumstances we ask God to change are often the very circumstances that God uses to change us. The circumstances we ask God to change are often the very circumstances that God uses to change us. Have you ever considered the purpose of your pain? Have you ever considered the purpose of your suffering? See, sometimes God chooses to display his power and his glory on the stage of our pain and on the stage of our suffering. And what do you do when God uses, chooses to showcase his power on the stage of your pain? Friends, this is so good and so deep and so rich. And, and, and I'm not going to get a lot of fan mail for this kind of message. The prosperity gospel is so much easier on the ears. What we're talking about here flips human understanding upside down. But Jesus, he creates a new category. And the truth is God may choose to showcase his power on the stage of your pain. And it may never get better. It, it may not change. In fact, I've got a friend who for years, now for decades now, has, has struggled with a physical ailment, and they prayed and prayed and prayed for healing, and the answer so far has been no. But God gains a great deal of glory, a great deal of attention by demonstrating his strength in your weakness. How does that affect your faith? See, I don't think you can experience God's sustaining grace while resisting his plan. And this is, this is the rub. 
To resist his will is to resist his grace. And if you've been unwilling to accept no for an answer, if you're struggling to deal with the situation in your own strength, may I ask you, are you looking in the wrong place? Are you asking the wrong question? Maybe there is a different category, a, a new category. And Jesus said, this, this man, he was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. This man was blind for decades for this moment. I mean, what do you do when God chooses to showcase his power on the stage of your pain? I mean, maybe there's a lot more going on here than you can even think or imagine. You know, about 15 years ago, I was living in Chicago and there was this family that moved into my neighborhood. It was a husband and wife. They had four kids. The oldest was out. So there were three kids living at home. They were all in high school and middle school. And they had moved across the country to Chicago, to my neighborhood, for an incredible job work opportunity. Now, if you fast forward the story about 18 months, the work opportunity was not going well. It was actually not going to end well but this family had moved into my neighborhood, and three houses down from them, they had befriended another family, a younger family. A husband, his name was Bill, a wife, and at the time they had two young girls. These were elementary age girls, and they had intentionally cultivated this friendship. And one day, it was a random Tuesday around 8 p.m., there was a knock on the front door, and Bill, the neighbor, three houses down, he, he knocked on the door, and he had made some terrible choices. And his marriage was crumbling, and he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. And so he knocked three houses down on my friend's front door, crying out for help. He chose to go to their door, and he knocked on their door. And I'll never forget, Randy, the, the husband of the family that moved there, he said to me one time, Greg, I thought I moved to Chicago for this amazing job opportunity, which didn't work out. He says, but maybe God brought me here just for Bill and his family. <laughs> what? This is a new category for me. You moved your entire family across the country. You took this amazing job but for Bill? Now, when he first said this to me 15 years ago, I'm in my 20s. It didn't make any sense to me. But if you fast forward 15 years later, I've never forgotten what he said. And it begins to make sense to me. So you, you thought you moved your family to Chicago for this job opportunity. It looked amazing. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> it bombed. But you were there. Right place, right time for Bill. His marriage was restored, his family was saved, and ultimately Bill and his entire family gave his life to Jesus, and they were baptized. Is this a new category? Is there something bigger and grander going on? This man was born blind so that, so that, so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. God, I, I, there's so much going on in our lives there's so much pain and there's suffering and there's sickness and there's uncertainty and there's unknown and there's things that just don't make sense. But God, 
Jesus introduces, introduces us to this new category. There, there's something else. There's something bigger. There's something grander. There's deeper meaning. There's deeper purpose. There's, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that maybe we can't see. God, I believe that we're here. God, and that our lives, God, that once we define this, this loving, dynamic, authentic relationship with you, God, our lives, God, are about serving you and, and your kingdom and your church. God, about, about pointing others to this dynamic relationship with you. And so, God, there, there's stuff going on in our church. There's stuff going on in our community. There's stuff going on in our families, God, that I can't explain. But, God, I pray that we would just trust you. Thank you for Jesus, God. We can pray this in his mighty name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.